Welcome to the Eight Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. On this podcast, we will examine the components that make up our lives and discuss how we can make improvements. God wants us to perform at our best in all aspects of life, but why don't we? We will talk about this and much more in an effort to discover our very best us in every part of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Darren Olson with Edward Jones in Bell Fountain. Welcome. The logical lead from careers is finance because that's tied together in more ways than one. So today, Chris will talk a little bit about finance. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at an article by Howard Dayton, and it's called God's Blueprint for Finances. And he is the founder of Crown Ministries. And this is what I found interesting. So often we think, oh, the Bible, finances, those don't really go together. But actually, he noted there were 2,350 verses in the Bible on finances and or on material possessions. And they summarized in different areas. And these were the eight primary principles that he was mentioning that we might want to follow. So I'm just going to list these and I'm going to turn it over to you and you can kind of give us the practical side of finances. So this author, Howard Dayton, mentioned these primary principles for us to follow in terms of finance. Avoid debt, seek counsel, practice honesty, give generously, spend wisely, work hard, save consistently, train your children. And I guess the verse that pops into my mind, if we take that a step further, is God loves a cheerful giver from 2 Corinthians Hmm. 9, 7. You had some of the same data that I'd researched that the Bible talks about it 2,300 times, and uh, roughly 15% of Jesus' teachings was on the subject, and 11 of his 39 parables had to do with either money or... Oh, like the talent. Right, right. coins. Sure. Um, I looked up three verses that kind of stood out to me, and basically when I just typed in Google finance. You know, they list you to the top 50 or however many you want to quit reading. And the first one was for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's Matthew 6, 21. So we've all heard that. From Ecclesiastes 5, 10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. You know, here was Ecclesiastes. King Solomon's a writer, the guy that's got more money than anyone else. And he's making these kind of comments. But I've known people, and I think it was Rockefeller, me being a golfer, I heard a quote by him one time, it's indeed a rich man that would play with a new golf ball. A golf Uh ball might cost a dollar or two, but here's the richest man in the world at that time, and Mm -hmm. he thought that that was... He was frugal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then the third quote, this is the quote, I think, in the Bible that's kind of misquoted more than any other. It's from 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But the idea that a lot of people quote it as the love of money is a root of all evil. And it's not the love of money. Money makes the world go around. You know, we can do a lot of good things with our money. It's the love of money. It's when we put money above all else. It's basically like a God. Right. So we think about idols. And, you know, I know at one time I thought, well, gosh, that's not a problem people have this day and age. And I'm talking about when I was an early Christian. But now I realize how many idols that we can have, you know, and money being probably one of the most. Sure. I also looked at some money stats, again, just pulled up who's the average American. And some that I found out was 80% Americans have some sort of debt. On average, 17.5% of our income goes towards interest. 
So if the median income is about $45,800, that means people are paying about $8,000 in just interest. 50% of people can't cover a $400 emergency. So this would mean like if the, if the washer breaks, I'm going to have to go to the laundromat until I can save up enough money. Credit card debt averages about $16,000 per household. Oh. Money is the number one cause listed in divorce, and it's the number one cause in male suicide. And 75% live check to check. So with all these negative statistics, it's no wonder that money gets a bad rap. Right. But, Absolutely. But the truth of it is, is it doesn't have to. Because some of the most cheerful givers, if you alluded to earlier, right. are people that have had success in their careers and they've been able to accumulate wealth and then give it away, help others. I know in the newspaper, every occasionally you'll read an article about, I'll just say for an example, a widow mm-hmm. or maybe a lady who had never been married and was a school teacher. And then they give like a million dollars to their college or to their church. And sometimes it's those people who are very unassuming that have saved up their money. And as you said, a cheerful giver, they're able to help others in right. great ways that no one would have ever guessed. Right. And it comes back to our mindset with money and how we live our lives because some people live as if they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. True. I can't get enough. And then other people, like the person you mentioned, you know, I've heard that same story. I remember a preacher telling a story of a woman, and it was either Southern Ohio or it was in the Appalachia area. And he said, he asked her, what would you do if you won the lottery? And this woman lived in a home with dirt floors, which I can't even imagine this day and age in, in Ohio. Right. She had dirt floors, no indoor plumbing. And she said, I suppose I would give it to the poor. And I That's, thought, what a mindset, right. you know, to I think like that, that here's story. a person that has none of the, what we'd think of as the necessities of life. And yet if she came into money, she would think about helping others. Love that. Yeah. Growing up, my dad taught me money basics and, and he lived it. He probably lived it by his example more than he ever sat down and said, this is what you need to do. He basically was kind of like the jack-of-all-trades type thing. You know, he yes. he remodeled the house. He worked on cars, had a big <laughs> garden. Exactly. And uh, right away, he just taught me that you uh, have to delay gratification. And I think that's our probably our biggest problem this day and age is people want what they want now. And back in that day, credit cards really didn't exist. You know, when you and I were growing up, at least if they did, no. we didn't know about right. them. People did things with cash. Or maybe they had a handshake, you know, something along that line. I can remember mom and dad saving up money to paint a linoleum floor to give it a different look. Saving up enough money to go buy a gallon of paint. That seems to be unheard of, you know. And I think with our parents, they grew up during the Depression. And there was also World War II. So their perspective is quite a bit different than ours. And I've noticed with my parents, they were very careful. Every penny was watched. And as children growing up, you know, you didn't drink pop. We didn't go out to eat, but if we did, it was like, whoa, it was super special. And times have changed in good ways financially for most people. And that's positive. You were talking about your father sharing things. I can remember in our family, the kind of unwritten rule was if you have to sign a paper to get something as in a loan, Mm -hmm. then you don't need it that badly. And I just learned recently, my father never had a loan in his whole life. And it just amazed me because he saved up all the money. Mm -hmm. He and mom saved up all the money for each house that we had. 
in fact, he even saved up money to start the construction company over 60 years ago, and it has grown into a very large company at this point. I remember him just recently telling me he thought once about going to the bank, and he was on his way to get a loan for a piece of equipment. I think it was like a bobcat. And on the way, he turned around and went home, and he decided, no, I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to save the money before I buy that piece of equipment. So I really admire his perspective and how he and mom supported that feeling of not going into debt, mm-hmm. like I think we were talking about. And hopefully, because things are better now in terms financially for most young people. And I just hope that I can help train my children in the fashion that my parents trained us, you know, to work hard, to save your money, and not to go into debt, as you just mentioned, Chris. So those are values, just like you talked about your father, that hopefully we can pass on to the next generation. Right. I was thinking to myself, kind of chuckling about a conversation I had with my dad he even would pull nails and take bent nails and straighten Same. them to be reused. You right, know? right. Same <laughs> and right. so th- that's that's the way we grew up. <laughs> right. In a lot of ways, when you live through that, because I criticized him, I said, Dad, nails are only, you know, a dollar a pound, if that, at that time. But it was like, well, what are you going to do anyway, you know, type of thing. So right. I once heard a story that if all the money in the world were divided evenly, that within a matter of years, it'd be back in the hands of the people who have it already. Just further illustrating that it's the mindset because if people have money that that aren't accustomed and this goes along with the story of lottery winners they claim that lottery winners at least about 95 percent of them because they didn't have to work for it to earn it you know it was a gift typically they're bankrupt within a couple years wow so startling yeah there was another radio call-in show one time that i heard being spoke about and and the guy said that there were people calling in. The question was, what would it take to make you happy, you know, with from a financial standpoint? And people were calling in and said, well, I make 25000 but if I made fifty, my troubles go away. And there were other people that made fifty were saying, well, if I had a hundred, and people that made a hundred were saying, if I had two hundred. So it's relative. It, it, right. It seemed like everybody wanted about twice as much as what they had. Interesting. <laughs> yes. And so, but again, that's just kind of the human nature. We We, we just want just a little bit more. Right, right. Probably on this subject, the most famous person I would think of is Dave Ramsey. I'm sure you've heard of sure. him. Sure. He's written several books. He's uh, He's got this seven-point creed that I'll share with you. And I agree with most of it, but I'll, I'll explain. His his number one step is he says, save $400 as that emergency fund. Number two, then, he says, the debt snowball. Number three is save three to six months of income after the debt snowball is taken care of. Number four is maximize retirement. Number five is college support. And then number six is pay off the house. And number seven is build wealth, live life, have fun, and help others. Now, I want to go ahead and and go in a little bit more detail about what that means, but then I'm just going to kind of revise it a bit as far as what makes sense for me. Number one, he doesn't mention, but I think it's maybe assumed that the first thing you got to do is build a budget. I've heard him and others talk about, you've got to give a name to every dollar. You've got to know where every dollar goes because some people honestly don't. You yeah, know, just to be accountable. Exactly. All they know is I make this much and I've got this much left at the end of the, of the month, you know, basically. But when you build a budget, you're basically saying that we're spending this on our house payment. We're spending this on 
car. We're spending this on food and utilities. And when that money's gone, we're not going any further. But a lot of people do tend to spend beyond that. And that's, sure. where, that's where this credit card debt and enslavement comes in. Your income has to exceed your spending is what it amounts to. You know, we have to live beneath our means. And then after that, save for the emergency fund. He says $400. And then once your debt's paid off, increase it to three to six months. That makes sense to me. When he talks about paying off the debt, he talks about the snowball versus doing the highest interest rate. You know, logically, I would think, well, why wouldn't you pay off the highest interest rate? But his comeback is, well, logic didn't put you in this shape, so it's not going to get you out of it. So his theory is, much like a person maybe that exercises, is you want to create momentum and you want to create some excitement. So if I've got 10 debts, if you list the smallest one first, say it's $500, and then it's 1000 then it's 2005 maybe the bottom's your house. If you go at a vengeance at number one to pay it off, then take all the money that you were going with the other to make you're making minimum payments on the others. Now you're going to put all that effort on number two and then all that effort on number three. That creates some excitement and gets you that momentum. So it is. It's like, you know, since you're rewarding yourself because right. you can cross that off your list, exactly. cross the next one. Right. That's good good psychology. Right. And like I say, you might say why not get the highest interest first, but if it's a one of the higher loans, you might lose interest before you ever get to that one done. Because it seems unattainable at exactly. that point. Exactly. So and when he's saying go at it with a vengeance, he's not saying work your job and let it go at it that way. He's saying have a garage sale, pick up a second job, deliver oh, pizza, right. you know, do whatever it takes to make as much money as possible to get that going. Because as we get out of that debt we can be so much more happy. You know, oh, we talked about. Yeah, it would be rewarding because right. it lifts that load off your shoulders. Right. Definitely. And how many arguments do couples have over sure. money? Because we know as poppets is to track. A lot of times we've got a saver in, as one and the other spouse is maybe a spender. Right. So there's going to be arguments if you've got that kind of environment. I think back to my own career and because my dad instilled this type of thinking in me, I, I never even thought about living beneath my means. You know, it was always, I was going to save a good chunk of, of my money. And when, when I went to new jobs that paid more money, I didn't increase my lifestyle by the amount that I increased. I might've increased it by 10 or 15%, but the majority of it was going to be saved, you know, for something down the road. And uh, the same thing with a, with a promotion or with a pay raise, you know, that's the, the mindset we need to have is, okay, I deserve something out of this, but I don't deserve 100%. Maybe I deserve 25% and, and then save the, the balance of that. I feel like you've got to make it a game. I'm, I'm continually trying to improve. This day and age, I don't think a lot of people have landlines anymore, for instance. I tried to get my wife to cut our landline 10 years before we ever cut it because she was always concerned with this. What if uh, the cell phones aren't charged and we Emergency can't call 911? situation, yeah, right. sure. And finally, it was through one of the political elections. I said, you know, the only phone calls we've got this <laughs> month have been political ads. That's true. <laughs> and and so she finally agreed. And then I've confirmed that way of thinking because when the phone book comes out, you know how thin they are these days? Yes, yes. And so everybody else is doing it too. And, you know, she's good one about writing cards. So you want someone's address, you go to the phone book, it's not there because right. most people don't have landlines. So that's to me just a kind of an obvious one, especially as we've progressed this day and age. 
But there's other ways, you know, it's uh, like TV. You know, TV was an expense that when we got married, we just watched free TVs on the antenna. And nowadays, people are having these cable packages. Oh, that, the bundles add up, don't yeah, they? I can't right. imagine what some people pay. I mean, right. I would think $100 is too much, but I'll bet there's people that pay two and $300 oh, with I, all I the premiums. So. Sure. You are listening to the 8 Facets of Life podcast. Stay tuned for more after this message from our sponsor. With all the headlines, are you wondering if your retirement savings will last? The market's ups and downs can keep you guessing, especially if you're approaching retirement or considering it. Your Edward Jones advisor, Daryl Olson, can help. If you have more questions than answers about what's next, you can work together to help ensure you're prepared for your journey. After all, retirement isn't the end of the trek, it's a new beginning. Stop by the office at 125 South Main Street in Bell Fountain. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Now, back to the 8 Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. There's ways that you can still be entertained. I mean, we have the free TV, but you can buy the Hulu where you can, you know, for $6 a month. I have gave in and got that as well. But for six forty one a month, I can watch anything that's happened that I missed. There's just a lot of ways that we can, if we get creative, how we can save money ourselves. I read once where our insurance home insurance was used on average once every 17 years. And I got to think and I thought, you know, that's, that's true for me too. I haven't, I haven't made a claim in all this time. And so relationships are important. I want to, I want to deal with people that I know are going to be there. But at the same time, if I could save $20, I wouldn't do it. But if I could save 500, I'd probably consider making a change. Those are the kind of things that I think people need to look at. Is there, there larger expenses? You know, what can we do in order to maybe save some money? Sure. That makes sense. Then there's um, the thing with cars. Cars seems to be the majority of people feel like they've got to have a new car every so many years. And a lot of times these car payments are being stretched out for seven years. And by then the car's not worth near what you've paid for mm-hmm. it. Even if you get an attractive interest loan, it's still costing you a lot of money. So this is one of Dave Ramsey's pet peeves is the people that spend money on cars. You know, his, his thing is, yeah, you got to have a reliable car to get to work, but you can buy a two, three, five-year-old car that's, that's reliable. And granted, you're not going to look as fancy as the neighbors, but you're going to be laughing all the way to the bank 30 years from now, you know, <laughs> right. type thing. <laughs> Today's day and age, we use our credit cards for about everything. True. Even, even uh, fast food. And I'm as guilty as anyone doing that. I was told that McDonald's, when they, they were the first one to have fast food credit cards, their sales increased 37% when oh people my. pay with a credit card. Oh, my. And the reason is there's no pain. When I go up there and I give you a $20 bill or a $10 bill, mm-hmm. there's a sense of I, I've given something for that. But I don't see that with a credit card. Dave Ramsey would say, go ahead and uh, biggie size that and uh, throw in an apple pie and let me get the guy behind me, too. You know, is yeah. kind of his job. Right, right. Pay it forward. <laughs> right. Because because we don't sure. we don't feel the pain. Yeah, that swipe doesn't hurt as much as pulling the right, actual right. tactile money out of your billfold. <laughs> I use credit card a lot, but... I am very disciplined into, I have it set to where on the due date, it's paid off 100%. Right. So I don't think I've paid interest on anything for the last 20 years of my life. Because those interest rates are very lofty. They are. Typically on a credit card, 12 to 18%. Absolutely. And and higher maybe. Mm -hmm. So that McDonald's cost you a lot more than you think. Exactly. (laughs) 
But that's where I think people get in trouble. And mm -hmm. I, I think a credit card's good. My mom and dad didn't even have one, but they got one towards the latter years of their life only because the medicine that they were getting, they would have to send a check and then wait on that before the medicine got mm -hmm. shipped. So they found out with a credit card, you know, they could order it and it would be would there. expedite and, right. the whole process. Right. And I remember my mom going shopping with my wife and saying, uh, they say cash or credit. And she'd say, I use my Honda card because she had a Honda credit union card, you know, and it was just kind of cute to, to hear her think it, it's it's not cash or credit. It's my Honda it's card. My, she had to identify exactly <laughs> yeah. but where it's coming. There's so many banking has become a different way of life. You know, I mean, you don't even need to go to the bank no. hardly anymore. No. You can you can take pictures with your phone and to make deposits. Right. You can manage things mobily. You know, again, you shop around for where you can get the best deal. Mm -hmm. And like in credit card cases, my bank gives uh, like a hundred dollar cash back for every eleven hundred dollars I spend. That's and that good. and that sounds like I'm sorry, for every eleven thousand dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say that's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. For every eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> <Your credit card. laughs> but um it's not hard to to wrap up thirty thousand dollars in credit cards. Sure. You know, if you're paying your bills and things that you you gotta be careful. Now some people will say yeah, you can use your credit card, but they're charging you a $4 fee or something like that Correct. for it. So I always make sure if there's no fee, mm -hmm. then I use my credit card. Mm -hmm. But if there is is a fee, then I use my checking account. Right. So that way I feel like my money's being stretched the furthest that it can possibly mm -hmm. be stretched. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to investing, it's that money that after we've got things paid off, we need to diversify, slow and steady, avoid the quick rich schemes. We need to educate ourselves. I heard a guy by the name of Larry Burkett, which if you know anything about finance, he's the guy that taught Dave Ramsey everything he knows. And I heard Larry okay. make a comment on uh, Focus on the Family CD that I listened to that he hires a financial advisor because he said, even though I know a lot about finances, I'm not going to watch it day in and day out. And that's what they're paid to do. And with that, that kind of brings me to our sponsor for those all eight segments was Darren Olson in Bell Fountain with Edward Jones. So Darren, we've been talking about finances as far as one of the eight facets of life. And Debbie and I have talked a lot about how it relates from the Bible. And we've talked about how it relates to our personal finances. But is there anything like your top three or top five suggestions for people that you would come at from your perspective as a financial advisor? Uh, certainly, Chris. I mean, thanks. It's a great question and a great way to look at it. The one thing, of course, is it's always important when you go anywhere is to just simply know where you're headed. You know, realistically, in life, money is just a tool that we use that provides the quality of life. What is it about your unique life that you find that you want to fund? Because no matter what you do, no matter what's important to you, there's a price tag to it in some way, shape, or form. And not everything's expensive, but, uh, but there's some sort of a price tag usually. So you've got to be realistic about uh, the financial part of it, what you're hoping to achieve. Then you've got to fund it. So you've got to be a diligent saver. Pay yourself first is the old adage, and it's true. You have to uh, first save, then decide on the things that you want in life in addition to that. Balance being the key, of course. And then as you do save, obviously the objective is to try to achieve the best rate of return that you can get. But there is no free lunch. So you can't find a, an investment that 
pays a, a guaranteed 10% that is completely risk-free. It j- just doesn't exist. So what we do instead is you have to own first high-quality investment. Quality investments will still fluctuate in value, particularly even high-quality stocks. Secondly, you have to not put all of your eggs into one basket. The fancy word that we use for that is diversify. You have to put different things in different areas, and they will move up and down and complement each other. What diversification does in the long run is takes the peaks out of the top and the valleys out of the bottom, and you wind up with a smoother ride along the way. And then thirdly, and most important right now to understand is that it's not always a smooth and comfortable ride. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and and times like right now, it's very uncomfortable, but you've got to hang on. The markets have now and always will come back. We know this for sure. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen in the short run, but the long term becomes very, very obvious. So I think if you follow those few simple rules that that you'll wind up being in in very, very good shape in the long run and and achieve the things that are most important to you in your life. Thank you, Darren, for joining us today. And with that, we will conclude this episode on finance. And if you've saved some of your hard-earned dollars, we're going to talk about fun next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the 8 Facets of Life podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you heard today, please visit our website at the number 8facetsoflife.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.